0: This is the Fox Sports Florida Miami Heat podcast. I'm your host Surya Fernandez, and with me is my very special guest Ethan Skolnick of Bleacher Report. He's uh, a lot of the Heat beat writers are working on on what the Heat are going to do this off season, but but Ethan is still doing a great job with the NBA playoffs. Uh, how's it going, Ethan? It's good. It's good to be with
1: you.
0: Right. Okay. Great. Um. So, uh, you know, uh, the Pat Riley made his uh, press conference uh, on Monday, and he. G- Took, took a little jab uh, to to LeBron James and um, I understand you were there when when LeBron James uh, was uh, told about these because um, he he doesn't really um, he's not on social media he 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 said he was unaware of these comments. um how did how did LeBron really respond? because I, I know what he said, but what did his body language really say?
1: Well, you know, it was in a group session that he was asked by uh, you know, one of the reporters in Cleveland if he'd seen Riley's comments. He said he was unaware <clears throat> that he doesn't pay attention to a lot of stuff uh, during the playoffs. We know it started in the 2012 postseason where he shut off his phone right, um, and stopped, uh, you know, stopped paying attention to social media. I mean, obviously, he has to know certain things that are going on in the world uh, he's not going to shut him off, himself off completely, but mm-hmm. he said he didn't really know what Riley had said and he didn't really ask anybody there. And then they kind of moved on to other things and, uh, kind of the group conversation sort of veered more into why he has shut his phone down over the past, uh, three post Uh, after we were over though, I mean, obviously look, he knows, uh, you know, my ties to Miami and I've been up there quite a bit this year. And, um, so he actually did pull me aside and ask me what it was that Riley said, um, and I try to put it in the best context I could because so. I wasn't at the press conference, but I saw the press conference right, uh, and told him that. And, uh, you know, I don't want to get into the specifics of what he said to me um, in the same way that I wouldn't have with a conversation that somebody in the Heat organization had with me. But I, I will say that I think I would characterize his reaction as being used, I guess. Um, I think, you know, and a little bit of... Uh, the approach I think he's take he took is kind of that sort of there are a lot of people that are after him for a variety of reasons. So more of a sort of a martyr pose, I guess.
0: Okay. Um
1: and, you know, I and, and I think again, um, you know, that's part of what has made it such a weird year for me is because, you know, I feel like I'm sort of friends with a husband and wife of a divorce that uh, <laughs> you know, you, you obviously have a lot of relationships in Miami and, and that's where I live. Uh, but, you know, I developed some trust with LeBron over those four years. And so it, it's 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 complicated, and, and, it, and I think it's a little depressing, too, because I, the way I look at it is that those four years were so unique, so special, are not going to be replicated. Uh, nothing Cleveland's going to experience is going to be like what the Heat experienced those four years, right. just because it was so new to have this group put together and the media scrutiny and us against the world and everything like that. Right. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a shame that it's kind of ended in a way that there's some bitterness. And, I, you know, obviously, look, Pat has tried to move on with the organization. I did a long interview with him where he talked about that. But, um, you know, he's taken he's taken some jabs, obviously. And, and you know, obviously, LeBron, you know, there's – I don't think he has any issues with uh, any of the players he played with. Uh, but clearly, you know, his relationship with Pat is – is, is not, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't classify it as close or even at this point cordial. So, um, I, I, think that's kind of, you know, my hope is that someday, um, they'll all be able to look back on those four years for what they were and how great they were and that they'll be able to break bread together and, and kind of move on from, from the, the ending.
0: Right, right, and it, and it is it's just been a year really less than a year. So I think those you know it's still kind of fresh uh, with Riley. But I think um, you know overall, I think I think he rebounded pretty well. The season didn't end obviously the way they wanted to, but they did manage to 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 get a few pieces here and there, especially with with the acquisition of Goran Dragic and and Hassan Whiteside. Um, but, but Riley also mentioned uh, Dwayne Wade that he in that press conference um, that he wanted him to get into top shape over the off season. Uh, he wants him to stay healthy next season and be able to play a, you know a full slate of games. Uh, do you think that's realistic at this stage of Wade's career?
1: Um, it's an interesting question. I feel like every year and every Pat Riley end of year press conference, it's some kind of a challenge to Dwayne as far <laughs> as his physical health. Right. Um, you know, some years it's been about him losing weight. He did that last off season. Some years it's been about him getting stronger. This year it seems to be about making sure he's available. I, I just, you know, I understand again on this as I do with Lebron thing where Pat's coming from. Um, but is it realistic for Pat, for anybody to expect to be more than a sixty game a year player at this point? I don't think so. I right. mean, I, I think there's enough evidence over the past couple of years. I mean, the, the shame of it this year was that it wasn't his needs. Uh, for the most part, it was three different incidents with his hamstring. Right now, those things can be connected, though, and you know he's got wear on his entire lower body, and you know so something that that may not have been a tweak in the old days is a tweak now. Um, I, I don't think I, I don't think you can go into it expecting you want, obviously you want to challenge Dwayne to get in the best shape he possibly can. I don't think it's something that Dwayne takes lightly. He's got another couple months now and he ordinarily has, um, that he's going to have to stay on top of it because he's not going to be playing, but that could be good for his wear and tear going forward. But I don't think if he's not serious about it. I just think that it's just the nature of where he is in his career and his life. And it's on the heat now to protect him. Um, going into this season with Shannon Brown as your backup two-guard, uh, nobody thought that was going to work, no. you know? And, and then the question became, okay, well, can Granger play there? You know, can Ennis play there? Can Tyler Johnson emerge? Can I mean, they need to protect themselves more this year. They can't go into a season next year where if Wayne misses 20 games, they're going to lose 12 of them. Um, oh. And I thought this year, and even to be honest, the year before, you know, they had Ray, you know, but they were using Tony Douglas and others. I mean, They need a better solution. You know, they need to find, I know it's not easy to do with cap, but they need to find a player who could be a starter in the league if he needed to be. And um, I thought there were some missed opportunities last summer. I mean, for instance, he's not the greatest shooter in the world, but like Rodney Stuckey signing for the minimum in Indiana Mm -hmm. um, is a guy who could have helped the Heat, especially when Dwayne was out. So they're going to have to find a guy like that, somebody who can fill in uh, may not be the most efficient player in the world, but is not going to hurt you on defense uh, and can occasionally have a scoring night that helps the others uh, carry you a little bit. Uh, they're going to need to find that this offseason because counting on Dwayne to be an 82-game-a-year player is just not realistic, this stretch.
0: Right, And and I feel the same way, you know, maybe even like a player like Nate Robinson that can just mm-hmm. score in bunches and... I know I'm dating myself, but like even with the Pistons, the Bad Boys era, they had Michael, Vinnie Johnson, just come, just come in and, and just score, <laughs> and that was his role. Um, so beyond beyond Wade and 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 that uncertainty, and as well as the uncertainty of Bosch's medical condition, do you see a scenario where Luol Dang or Goran Dragic don't return? Um, it's interesting.
1: I actually think that, that Goran is more likely to return than the law. I, I know mm. a lot of people disagree with me on that. I, I don't, I look at Dragic's situation. I mean, to me, if you just read between the lines of what he's saying, if he make an offer to him that doesn't insult him, he'll be back. Um, I, I think that everything else is fine. It does ultimately come down to money. I think there's a case can be made that Pat can make beyond just obviously the stability of the organization, which is a plus. That you know, if, if you want to play in LA, and it looks like Ronda is going there anyway. But if you want to play in LA, <laughs> you want to play in New York. You know, basically deduct eight percent in term eight to eight to ten percent in terms of your tax bill. Yeah. Uh, and and also deduct a year because you can't. You're not going to get a fifth year. You just can't, they're not allowed to give you five years. We can. And I think you can make a compelling case to go on that we're going to pay you uh, a very very you know respectable sum. It's not going to be the max. But maybe something in the neighborhood of five for eighty five, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can make a case that that's a better deal for him than he would have going to another new organization, paying taxes, uh, trying to see how he fits, um, and, and again, not getting that fifth year. I mean, he, he's going to be twenty nine years old. Um, you know, fifth year takes him to, to thirty four. Uh, that's that's a positive, I think, for Miami. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I I, I think. I think he's going to be back. I mean, they, they feel good about it. Uh, I, I think that you know, Goran did enjoy his experience, but they're going to have to, you know, you make you you, know, if you try you try to get him to take a little less, explain him the value of the organization and how that'll help them win. Uh, but it is possible because Goran holds the leverage because Miami to give up assets to get him that right. you may have to max him out and go from it from there. Uh, as far as Deng goes. He's got a really interesting decision. I mean, he's going to be thirty. Um, he wasn't comfortable with his fit this year. Um, he was made to be more of a spacer. He wants to be more of a cutter. He didn't really have a choice because they didn't have a lot of shooters um, and they have so many guys in and out of the lineup. So, if you're if you're the do you opt out? Try to get a little bit more security at this point. Maybe that's not going to come with Miami. Um, if they don't want to extend him past 16 or do you just opt in and roll the dice on yourself having a good year when there's more money in 2016 mm-hmm. and somebody will pay you at, you know, at 30 years old, they're still going to pay you a good sum because basically the salary cap has increased by something like 40, you know, 40 to 60% from where it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what he's going to do. I don't think the he would be heartbroken if he left, but I think they want him to stay. Um, He's a good character guy. I think if he's in the right role, he can be very effective for you. I just think they oversold his addition a little bit in part because it was kind of a, after LeBron was leaving, they were trying to show, okay, this is a guy who's going to keep us really competitive and yeah. we can get up off the mat. But I think if people have realistic expectations for him, um, then I think he can still be a solid component going forward.
0: And, and yeah, if, if Deng and Dragic return... Uh, you have Bosch. Uh, he should be uh, be healthy by then. Uh, their starting five would be, you know, pretty set in place. Then they have McRoberts is coming back from injury. You have uh, Haslam. You have Chalmers. So you you have you have the majority of the roster in check. But what about that end of the bench? Do you see any of those players not returning next season?
1: Well, I think a lot a lot of it will depend. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, they have they, they have a lot of guys a lot of guys under contract. Yeah. Um, Anderson also, so that As well, you know, yeah. and then you look at Ennis, who I think is somebody they want to continue to develop because he performed well, I thought, in the last three, four weeks of the season, where you saw signs he needs to become a better ball handler. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't bring Tyler Johnson back. I think you've seen enough to believe that he can be an energy guy off the bench on a on a on a on a quality team, um, and so I think you would bring him back. Henry Walker, I'm not sure. I mean, they need shooters, and um, he wasn't especially. Consistent. that's kind of in his history mm-hmm. i think you know you're always looking to upgrade there but i think there's a chance he could be back um so i, I think the majority of the team will return i mean you got to make room for if they get a first round pick which we still don't know because right. they have to not get jumped in the lottery but if they end up with a top 10 overall pick you're going to have a player there who's going to have a chance to crack the rotation um and then you're also again probably going to have because i think if bang and dragic come back it's going to be a packed team then you would probably have about a $3.3 million taxpayer mid-level where you could try to add a low-budget shooter. Now, it may be tough to add a guy you really like at that spot, but I think that's about what what Anthony Morrow went for last season. So could you find a player like that to, to fill in? I know Riley said he wants a more sort of three-dimensional player than somebody who's just a shooter, but it's going to be tough to get a, say, Danny Green for that kind of money. Could yeah. you get a Gerald Green? Maybe. <laughs> um, so I think it depends how the market shakes out. But I, again, you've got to, I think you've got two spots, uh, for sure that new players are going to take, which is uh, your first round pick, if you have one, and then, uh, whoever you add with a potentially with a taxpayer mid-level exception. And that's again, barring the heat making any trades.
0: Right, and you answered uh, my next question without even me having to say it because I wanted to know how much flexibility that he'd have with regards to upgrading the roster and can can they really afford to use their their cap exceptions?
1: Um, well, they can. I mean, they will If they're a tax team, which I think they're going to be, they won't have that biannual, so they can't use that. Mm-hmm. So. The one piece they'll have is is the uh, is the three point three. You know the other thing is you know uh, Mickey didn't pay tax this year. Um, they didn't go into the repeater tax. They could have used their. They had a trade. They had that exception um, for McRoberts. They never used it. Right. Um, it's, it's you know expired. Uh, so you know I, I don't know that there should be a whole lot of excuses in terms of if you can add a player who can help the team. Team's coming off a non playoff appearance. Um, they did sell out this year, and, and I, the fans were great. Remember, those? a lot of those seats were sold before LeBron left. Mm, yeah. um, so so I, I think at this point, you have to show the – you have to, again, and I know they've proved it before, but you have to prove again that you're willing to do what's necessary to compete. And so I think if you have an asset, I think you deploy the asset. You use it. Uh, you try to add to the roster doesn't mean you go crazy, obviously, because you really can't. They don't have that kind of flexibility. I don't think you add a premium player that you wouldn't want to anyway, even if you had the ability, because you, you want to wait for 16 and make sure you have enough money there to do some other things you need to do, which may be resigning Whiteside, maybe hoping that you have another piece that you can add uh, out of creativity. But I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that this offseason the goal should be if you have that first-round pick, you got to hit on it unless you trade it, um, and you've got to find a shooter of some kind to be more reliable, Can be a part of your rotation, can maybe be a fill-in for Wade in the games he misses uh, with that taxpayer mid-level. I, if I was a fan, I'd be disappointed if they have that asset and they don't end up using it.
0: Yeah, and and, and how strong do you think the free agent market will be this year? Are there really you know quality players out there that the Heat can afford?
1: Well, what's interesting is I don't think there's going to be a lot of top end guys, at least not right. unrestricted, because I think a lot of the top end guys, like an Aldridge, like a Gasol, like a Love, uh, are probably going to opt in on one and one deals um, with a player option in 2016 because mm-hmm. that's where the money comes. And so I don't think there's going to be a lot of top end guys, but by the looks of it, there could be a lot of sort of lower budget, uh, but, but, Clearly, you know, respectable wings. And, again, I mentioned a guy like Gerald Green as kind of that type of player. I think there could be some guys in there. I think Mike Dunleavy is another interesting name. I mean, he's made a lot more than three points per million annually over the past few years. It might be a tough sell for him. Uh, But I I think there will be some guys like that. Somebody's not going to get paid what they thought they were going to pay or get paid. Or somebody is simply going to want to play in Miami um, with a team that has a chance to compete. So I think they can find a player who can help them. I think at number 10 in the draft, they can find a player who can help them. I think you add those two pieces, you add McRoberts if you don't trade McRoberts. um, Again, uh, you have the makings of a very nice team. I mean, that starting five can compete with a lot of starting fives around the league. There's not an a player on there anymore. Um, I think even at this stage, Dwayne is more of a B-plus to some nights can be an A-minus. Um, but I think with the Dragic boss pick and roll, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and having white side developing, I mean, that's a very nice lineup. And I think you've got the potential, you know, to have a, a pretty decent bench, if you can add with those two assets.
0: Yeah. And they have a decent enough young core as well. Uh, from what you saw in their, in their rookie campaigns, how much of a leap do you think uh, Shabazz and James Ennis and Tyler Johnson can, can take in their second year?
1: Well, I, I think being around the Heat in the offseason is positive. I wouldn't rule Shabazz out. I don't know really at this point what the organization feels about him. It's kind of a weird vibe I get there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they tend to talk up Tyler more often. So I get the, the, the feeling that, that that might be, you know, more of a direction um, that, you know, they're developing. Also, Tyler, you know, is more of a two, can play more two. They have more of a need there. Uh, I think, you know, if you've got Dragic coming back, and you have Chalmers in his, his last year of his deal, and I think we've seen that playing Mario heavy minutes with the two is not an ideal situation. Yeah. You know, then really, if you're looking for the, who the fourth guard is going to be, um, you know, you look at, again, potentially a guy that they had in the draft, potentially a guy they had with 3.3, or potentially, I think, Tyler Johnson, um, maybe ahead of Shabazz Napier. Um, I think then you look at Ennis developing into more of a three as a backup for Deng. So, I think there's, there's room to develop for those guys. Um, but I think, as, as Pat said, you want to develop guys, but as he said, his first time, you don't want four or five of them every year. You know, yeah. you want one or two who are rotation players. But even he said he prefers his rotation players to be guys with five or more years' experience. So um, that's not to say that if you were to draft to Stanley Johnson and he blows you away that he's not in the rotation, because he certainly could be. Um, and if they've shown, the organizations shown they will, you know, they played Karan Butler as a, as a rookie, they played Blaine as a rookie. If a guy is uh, above and beyond in terms of talent, then you're going to play him. But you don't want to be in the position you're in this year where you're having them, so many of these guys learning on the fly. So I think it's almost going to be a little game of survivor uh, to see which of these guys, Whiteside obviously is going to be, you know, prominent. But the others, whether it's Johnson, Ennis, or, or Napier, which of these guys uh, is somebody that. That is going to be part of their regular rotation next season,
0: right? And, and you and you also uh, alluded to that that they're likely going to keep that that first round pick. So that's another uh, young player on that roster that they want to develop. Uh, do you see any players at that ten spot that can make an immediate impact for the Heat?
1: Well, I think if Justice Winslow was to flip there, I think that's your guy. I don't think he's going to flip there. To me, again, Stanley Johnson and Ari- out of Arizona is, is kind of fits the bill. He has that athleticism. He looks like he could be if he he develops more as a shooter, uh, could be more of a three and D type guy, which is kind of what they need, and a much cheaper option going forward than Deng is. Um, So I I think somebody like that would be really interesting. You're not really looking for a point guard anymore. I don't think you really need a big. I mean, if you've if you've got Whiteside, you've got Bosch, you've got Anderson, you've got you know Haslam coming back. You've got McRoberts. Uh, You know, to me, you you have five pieces there at two positions, um, and I think you're pretty well fortified Mm -hmm. at those spots, assuming that Chris is coming back healthy. So I think it's about getting the best available wing you can possibly get. Uh, I think Stanley Johnson would be a nice fit for them. All
0: right, and and, um, what about Hassan Whiteside? How high is his ceiling uh, next season? Can he have an an all-star-type season?
1: Oh, I think he can. There wasn't a center in the league he played against this year that he – he wasn't competitive. With. I, I, I just, you know, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins, he got in foul trouble against him, and there was some personal stuff there, but, yeah. I mean, look, he, he, he dominated really good players. I mean, you know, DeAndre Jordan, Noah and Gasol, um, I mean, he had big games against, at Valanciunas, Um I mean, so, I, there's no question that talent's there. It's just, You know, is he going to stick with the program all summer? They have a whole summer to work with him. Uh, I know he's going back to, uh, he's going back home where he's going to go to the Y and all that, but he needs to be. I honestly, if I were the Heat, I'd be trying to get him to play a couple games of Summer League just so that he gets used to being the man uh, a little bit and they have to play through him. I know he didn't seem like he was thrilled by that prospect, but I I think that would be really beneficial um, for him going forward. So, uh, but I think he has the chance to be great. And look, he's he's in a contract year next year, and right. he has to prove not only to Heat but the other organizations who passed on him that he's worth giving a long-term, big-money commitment to. So I think he's going to have an excellent season.
0: Yeah, and and that that next off season is going to be quite interesting. Um, all right. Well, uh, thank you again so much for taking some some time out of your, your business schedule covering the playoffs. Um, do, you know, it's it's a small sample size, but uh, do you have a feeling as far as which teams you know can really make a deep run in the playoffs from from what you've seen so far?
1: From from which one? For from
0: no, just from the playoff teams. Just from you know, just from what you've seen so far. Uh, which teams do you think are likely to make you, make it to well, the conference final? Uh, I mean, I, you
1: know, I picked before the season. I I picked the Spurs over the Cavs. Um, I kind of changed my pick before the playoffs uh, because on the last day of the regular season when the Spurs lost to the Pelicans and dropped into the sixth spot. I just think it's too difficult yeah. to win three series that you've got to start on the road to get to the final. So with that, I think the Warriors are pretty good default, and uh, I'm going to say the Warriors over the Cavs. I just think the Warriors are the most complete team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got home court advantage, obviously, uh, all the way throughout. They have the best home court advantage in the NBA. They can play big they can play small they've got three elite defenders in their starting lineup they've got another one coming off the bench they've got the two best shooters in the game uh that that are high volume shooters so i just think there's just so much there and i think they're very well coached and their coach has been through all this before even not as a coach but he's done it as a player uh to win you know he knows what it takes i just think that's a huge deal so uh, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Warriors uh, over Cleveland in
0: the finals. All right, all right. Excellent work once again. Thank you so much, Ethan. And uh, how can people follow you on on Twitter? What's your handle? Uh,
1: thanks, Maria. Um, Ethan J Skolnick at Ethan J Skolnick, and um, I'm tweeting all day. All right, and make
0: sh- <laughs> and make sure to to read his his work on Bleacher Report. Always good stuff. Thank you once again, and uh, we'll we'll talk sure.
1: soon. Okay. Sounds good. All
0: right. Take care.